This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. This is the theme for the final chapter of Daniel. This is the theme of this last chapter. It's this great distinction between the saved and the lost, between those who are found written in the book and those who are not found written in the book, between those who will ha- are heaven bound and those who are hell bound, and God sets up this question. He's setting up a question here to every person in the life. Every person in life, there's a question that's being set up in verse one, and the question is, Are you saved or are you lost? The question is, will the door of heaven open for you when you come or will the door of heaven be closed? Because it all comes down to, will your name be found in the book of life because Jesus Christ is your savior or or, or is your name not found in that book? And that a fact that a person can be found means that there can be new entries. There can be new entries in the book. It's not, it's not all, all just settled. No, it can be new entries into the Lamb's book of life, which, which makes the hymn so meaningful, so important, when, when the, the, the hymn that says, I was once a sinner, but I came, pardon to receive from my Lord, This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written up in heaven in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home. For there's a new name written down in glory. It's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I'm bound for heaven nevermore to roam. See, when a person's name gets written in the Lamb's book of life, then his name is removed from another book, and that other book in heaven is the book of unforgiven sins, as another hymn puts it so well. Another hymn puts, 
Well, uh, Johnny Cash him. Well, there was a time on earth when in the books of heaven that an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and there were many things below. But I went unto the keeper and I settled it long ago. Long ago, yes, long ago. I said the old account was settled long ago and my record's cleared today. He washed my sins away. The old account was settled long ago. See, this is the whole theme of this last chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. It's these two groups of people, those whose names are found written in the book of life and those whose names are missing, they're not there. Those whose names are still in the book, the other book of unforgiven sins, and those whose names have been blotted out of that book, taken out of that book, those, names, those sins, all blotted out. And it's this thought, this thought here in verse one, in verse one, that launches us into the second verse, the second verse, which is, and many of them that sleep in the dust of death shall awake. These, some to everlasting life and, and some to shame and everlasting. Now, I, I know that in your Bible it says, it says some, in my Bible it says some, and unless you have the New American Standard, your Bible says some, but it's it, 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 but the new but but really, but really it, it, so it reads your Bible. My Bible reads: Many of them that sleep in the dust of death shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The Hebrew words for some it's the same word. The Hebrew word for some is Eli. Eli. It's the same word that's used in Genesis nine nineteen. Genesis nine nineteen. These are Eli. These are the three sons of Noah, and, and of them the whole earth was overspread. Same word used in Genesis eleven twenty seven. Genesis eleven twenty seven. These Eli are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram and, and Nahor and Haran and so forth. Eli means these. Eli does not mean some. It makes it sound when it says some. It makes it sound like a, like like not everyone is going to wake up. Just some are going to wake up. So that's not what this is. L.A. should have been translated these, and I would have told them if they would have asked me, but what can I do? <laughs> so to replace the sum for L.A. in verse two with these, it preserves what this verse is saying here. So if you want to write something in your Bible, in the side of your Bible, then you can write these instead of some and replace all those two these sums with these because that keeps what it's really saying there. There are many who are asleep in their graves, and that these who are found written in the book of life are gonna wake up to everlasting life. Then there's another group of these, Ellie, and these are the other group that are gonna wake up to shame and everlasting contempt. And God wants to encourage us. He wants to encourage everyone who's reading these verses. He wants to encourage everyone to come to Christ. He wants to encourage them to come to Christ. So in verse one, so he uses the word many, many, many. Today, Israel looks at the believing uh, Jewish remnant and it says, they're nothing, bumpkus, they're small, they're nothing. And that's what they say, and, uh, and, and like we said, in Isaiah 1.9, Isaiah 1.9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and Gomorrah, we should have been uh, like unto Gomorrah. 
See, Israel calls the believing Jews nothing, a very small remnant, barely visible, barely visible. It reminds me of when I was 19 in 1970, and I was just saved at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pacific Beach by Pastor Ray Hunt. And when I sat in that church, I remember it was the first Sundays I was in, I sat in that church and I looked around and I said, man, do I feel like a fish out of water here. I'm surrounded by Gentiles, Gentiles, Gentiles. I said, I said, I'm so out of place. I think I'm the only Jew that's ever come to Christ. I really thought that. And because it, it, it was different back then, you know, Jews were not so much coming to Christ, you know. And then, and, and then I remembered how surprising it was for me to meet another man who was Jewish. And I looked at him and said, you sure you're Jewish? You know? Anyway, and, and he had come to Christ and he wanted to encourage me. And so he took me out to lunch that day because he could say how, he could see I was a little shaken up by the disorientation of it all. And so, you know, how I felt I was the only Jew that was saved there. And he says, and he said to me, he said to me, he was older, he said to me, we are a rare bird, my boy, a rare bird. That's what he called us. We're a rare bird. Anyway, that didn't encourage me at all. But anyway, never mind. So, so this is what Israel calls the, the believing Jews in Isaiah 1.9, a very small remnant. And this is what Elijah, Elijah had this feeling too. Elijah where in, in Elijah's was said about, said to God, no, I'm the only one in 1 Kings 19.10. 1 Kings 19.10, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, this is Elijah speaking, 1 Kings 19.10. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And God said to, to Elijah, Elijah, your eyesight's no good. And they're in a, not only that, your math is no good. Because then in 1 Kings 19, 18, 1 Kings 19, 18, God said, yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that which hath not kissed him. So Elijah told God that there's none except me. And God told Elijah, oh, there are many, there are many. Uh, there's 7,000, so you didn't, you didn't get the right number. Anyway, there are many. So in verse two, God says that there are many who will wake up to everlasting life, as John saw in Revelation 5.11. Revelation 5.11, when John said, the apostle John said, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And that's the many that God is talking about in verse two. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the death shall awake these to everlasting life. God says they're sleeping, they're sleeping in the dust of the dead. They, we look at them and they say, they look dead to me. And God says, no, they're just sleeping. This is the Lord described Lazarus. Lazarus in John 11, 11, John 11, 11. These things said he, and after that, he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. How bad Jesus speak of his, speak of his death but they thought that he spoke of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
This is what God told Moses when it was time for Moses to die. You know, this is his friend, Moses. They knew each other, spoke to each other face to face. They were good buddies, God and Moses. And when it came time for him to die, it was, that was a big concern for God. And he wanted to really comfort his friend, Moses. So he said in Deuteronomy 31.6, Deuteronomy 31.6, Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. This is how Moses was brought to his death. This is how Moses was brought by his faithful friend God to die in Deuteronomy 34.1. Deuteronomy 34.1. Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, and the utmost sea. And the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him, God buried him, he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. So God showed Moses a beautiful land, and then Moses just fell asleep, and God buried him in the ground. And that's what it's like when you get so tired that you just can't stay awake any longer, you can't resist it, you just give up, you close your eyes, you fall asleep, that's how death is described. That's how death is described, Acts 7.59, Acts 7.59. Even as he was being killed, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge, and when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's how Stephen died. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. These are verses that are given to comfort us when a loved one dies or when we go looking at death straight in the face. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What a beautiful description for a child of God, a child of God who dies. He sleeps in Jesus. That's what, that's what they're doing there in verse 2, in Daniel 12, verse 2. Verse 2, they are sleeping in Jesus, those blessed people who are called in verse 2, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the death, these shall awake to everlasting life. They sleep in Jesus, but one thing is for sure. One thing is for sure. And it says in verse 2, they shall awake. These to everlasting life. Just like when we fall asleep, we can't remember that moment we fall asleep. All we know, all we remember is before we fell asleep, and that's the way it is. That's the only memory that we have when we die is before we die, and we don't have a memory of the actual death itself. Others may see it, but we're not aware. Just like you can see somebody else fall asleep, but he doesn't see himself fall asleep. He's not aware. But one thing's for sure in verse 2, they shall awake. 
And when we die, we shall sleep, but we shall awake. We shall wake up. Just like when we wake up and we say, oh, I must have fallen asleep. Right? That's what we say, because we don't remember falling asleep. It just happens. I must have fallen asleep. I must have fallen asleep, but I don't know when I fell asleep. I just fell asleep. I don't know, but now I know I'm awake. That's the way it is with death. That's the way it is when you die. You wake up. You say, oh, I must have died. I must have died. I didn't know I died. I must have died. I don't remember dying, but I must have died. But one thing I know now, I woke up. I woke up. I know I'm waking up. I'm awake up now. That's the power of the word shall in verse 2. It's not uncertainty of maybe, as, in, as in, I may awake from day. No, it's a certainty word, 100%. Shall is 100% that they're going to wake up from their sleep, from their death. They're going to wake up. And now comes the best word in the chapter, and now comes the most powerful word in the chapter, now comes the most wonderful word in the chapter. Little word, only two letters. And, and if you don't get anything from the message today, if you don't get anything from that, just get these two words. Just get, it's two letters. Just get these two letters, this little word, two, T-O. That little word, two, is the message of this chapter. It's the message of the whole book of Daniel. Two shows what these many people will wake up to. Two shows what we and Jesus will wake up from our death to. Verse two, verse two, awake, you shall awake these to everlasting life. When you wake up from sleep, you wake up to see something. You work up to see something. You open your eyes, you're waking up to something. And in Daniel 12, two, you shall awake, you shall awake, these shall awake these to everlasting life. What do they wake up to? Life. They wake up to life. They see life. When you wake up, you open your eyes, you say, whoa, I just woke up to this bright light in my eye. You know, or, or, or whoa, I just woke up to whatever you wake up to. Anyway, you wake up, say, see, they woke up to life. They see life. In Christ, we shall wake up to see Everlasting life. We should not just see it. We shall wake up to everlasting life. Imagine, imagine this. You're waking up to everlasting life. Imagine that. Waking up to see nothing dead. Waking up to see nothing dying. Waking up to see nothing deteriorating. Waking up to seeing everything alive and prospering. No decay no sickness, no hobbling around, no cancer, no diabetes, no heart failure. I'm reading off the list of my ailments. No hospitals, no graves, no funeral homes, every plant green and vibrant, every person with perfect eyesight, no glasses. Can't see anything now. No limping along, no walkers, Gene. No, every person like a child laughing and playing and smiling and no tears. That's what verse 2 is talking about when it says, wake up to everlasting life. But that's not all we wake up to. That's not all, that's not, that's not all those who are written in the book wake up to. Because there's another verse, Psalm 17, 15, Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. 
I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. David said his life was like being guided every step of the way. I don't know where to go. God says, go here. I don't have direction. God says, I'll give you direction. That's David's life. He's just guided and he's got the Bible and the Bible is his constant autopilot, constantly changing the helm, changing the tiller of the boat, constantly redirecting it. A wind, when you sail, when you sail, or when you're powerboat, especially when you sail, and you know, you, the, you, you're constantly, the, the current is moving your boat and the wind is shifting and you, you just, you just got to always be changing that tiller to, to because you're getting pushed off course all the time. And God's the way, that's the way it is in life. You get pushed off course all the time. And God says, I'm going to give you the Bible here. It's your compass. And you use that to change the course of your tiller there. So you get back on track. And this is the way it was for God. I mean, for David. This is the way it was for David. David, 70, Psalm 73, 24. Psalm 73, 24. David says to God, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward received Receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God's the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, David is saying, I'm going through life. I'm getting this. I got this. Oh, see that Bathsheba on the roof. Oh, way off course here. God says, you know, get that tiller back over here. Okay, we'll straighten that out. You go, you know, many things. Oh, married all these wives. Get that tiller back on my head. Oh, David had a lot of problems. I don't even want to go through them all. He had a lot of problems. He had a lot of problems. But one thing he did have, he had the Bible and he had his hand on the tiller. So when he saw he was off course, he adjusted that course with his tiller. That's what repentance is all about. The Lord Jesus Christ is our, our unseen friend that, that the, the more we do this, then the more we say, oh, he just helped me. He corrected my course. He told me how to correct my course, and I got it straightened out. Because And then we say, you know, uh, I went through the experience. You know, I, I kind of love him a little bit more now. I kinda, he's kind of a little bit sweeter. Here's how the hymn says. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Every need he is supplying, plenteous grace he bestows. Every day my way gets brighter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he goes, sweeter he grows. That's what life is in Christ. That's what it's all about. It's not that we don't sin. It's not that we don't fall. It's not that we get up and we see and we move the tiller and get the boat pointed in the right direction to Lord Jesus Christ so that it becomes... Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's a development. It's a development. It's a development of our lives, but more importantly, it's a development of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, where the longer we serve him and trust him, the sweeter he grows till the most burning passion we have is to see his face. We just want to see his face. It, 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 his face. That's what David is talking about when he says in Psalm 17, 15, Psalm 17, 15, as for me, I shall behold thy face in righteousness, and I'll be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.